Hello and welcome to the Ask the Expert podcast series at the Royal Geographical Society with Institute of British Geographers. I'm Laura and I write resources for the Education Department here. This recording is part of our growing series of interviews, questions and answers from leading geographical experts and practitioners. This week we spoke to Georgina Enfield, Professor of Environmental History at the University of Nottingham. Professor Enfield discusses her research project that draws on historical records and personal collections to explore how and why extreme weather events have become inscribed into our cultural fabric. The project has developed a set of local and regional climate histories from the UK using information from archival records and oral histories. Maybe if you could just tell us a little bit about your wider research yep. and your most current project that you're working on. Okay, so. So I have always worked in environmental history or climate history, um, mostly doing work on reconstructing climate histories in different regions of the world um, with colleagues working in Southern Africa and have done quite a lot of work in Mexico, um, looking at how climate has changed, particularly extreme weather events over um, periods of between about 200 years to 300, 400 years. Um, in the case of my work on colonial Mexico, I've also explored the way in which people have responded to and have been affected by um, changes in climate and extreme weather events. Um, in my work in Africa with Dave Nash, my colleague at the University of Brighton, we did some work using missionary archives for the reconstruction of the first um, historical climatology of the Kalahari region, which was fun. I also do uh, work on the relationship between climate and place and healthiness of place as well. My current project, which is funded through the Arts and Humanities Research Council, um, through the Care for the Future, Thinking Forward Through the Past theme, um, focuses on extreme weather events through history in a UK context. Um, and we're focusing on um, drawing on the archives, um, very rich archives uh, across the UK in a series of case study areas to explore um, how people have recorded extreme weather, how they've been affected by it, how they've responded to it. Um, and these case studies that we're working on focus on areas that have been identified in the climate change risk um, assessments, uh, DEFRA's climate change risk assessments uh, from 2012 as being at risk of future extreme weather events. So these are um, upland and um, coastal Wales, uh, we've got the southwest of the UK, the east of England, particularly the east coast, central England and northwest Scotland. So in each of these areas we're working through all kinds of different archival materials, unpublished records mostly, um, to extract information about unusual weather, um, record it and also extract information about how people have been affected and responded to um, that. Um, so I'm working on that project, three-year project, with colleagues in Aberystwyth, uh, in Liverpool and Glasgow. So what sorts of materials make up the records then? Okay. And so, they buy? Okay, so a very, very diverse um, set of materials. Anything from newspapers, um, which we don't use that much because we're using those to back up our other evidence, through to correspondence, estate records, letters, uh, postcards, um, diaries, farmers' diaries, lots of farmers' diaries um, and people recording the weather in, in, in those kinds of formats, as well as more official meteorological registers, particularly from the later part of the 19th century onwards. Our, our materials mostly go back to um, the, the, the middle of the 17th century onwards, um, and then there's a, there's a sort of increase in the amount of material from 1700s onwards. 
but very, very diverse. So I think probably my favourite bits and pieces of information have come from pigeon fancy records um, <laughs> and um, bird watching records and those kinds of things. So it, it's amazing where you find information about the weather. Um, it's sometimes recorded directly and the purpose of a document is to record the weather. Um, but, but a lot of materials that we've been using um, are what we would call sort of incidental weather records where weather is incorporated into a whole range of other kinds of things that are being recorded and the purpose of the record isn't necessarily weather but you can still extract materials from it. So what sorts of recurring themes have you found in the records then? Have you found anything unexpected? Plenty of unexpected things. Um, I, I think there's some it's really interesting work to be done on the fact that nothing is unprecedented. <laughs> um, so, you know, we often hear in the news that you know, this is the worst drought in history or this is uh, the worst floods that we've ever had. There's always, you know, there's always been extreme weather um, in the UK context. I think some of the more interesting events that we have recorded focus on things like tornadoes, um, which people don't tend to associate the UK with, and yet we do have quite a lot of tornadoes uh, in, a, in a UK context going back centuries really. So there's two um, that stick in my mind, uh, one from May the 11th of May, well sometime in May in, in 1811, which stripped the roof off houses and properties across Derbyshire, um, and another one in uh, 1929, uh, which is very well documented uh, and recorded in the newspapers as well as, as personal observations that people made about it. And this one was very uh, exciting because it split a tombstone in half and it became this kind of, uh, you know, a sort of a apocryphal kind of event. And it was, um, that was in Aslockton, uh, in near Nottinghamshire also affected areas of Sheffield. But we also get things like, um, you know, particularly bad frosts and very, very cold weather in June um, in, in, in some years. So just thinking about some of those years we have in 1791, 1698, 1795, we've got very, very cold summers. And then of course you've got events that are quite well documented, um, people um, a little bit more aware of, things like the year without summer in 1816, um, when summer just didn't arrive, largely because of the impact of a massive volcanic explosion the year before, Tambora, which affected global climates and led to cold, wet conditions in our country um, the following summer in 1816. Um, so quite a lot of unusual events, things that you don't necessarily think about when you think about seasons in a UK context. Um, so how do these records afford an insight then into the different spaces and uh, scales of extreme weather impacts? Okay, so one of the things that we're, we're trying to do with our project is look at the way in which events are played out in different contexts, which is why we've got these different case study areas. So we're very interested in the way in which context influences the type of impact and the way in which people respond. So we've got distinctive rural and urban kinds of responses that we, we might call upon. Um, so during for example, a uh, particularly bad winter in 1838, um, you can get sort of very contrasting views as to how it affected people across the country. So just to draw on this one example, um, in Nottinghamshire, one of my favourite um, documents relates to the diary of a solicitor, a chap called um, William, pa uh, William Parsons. And he, um, he was working and living in Nottingham um, in the winter of 1838 and was recording how the Trent froze and he used this opportunity to learn how to skate on the Trent um, and so all the way through his diary he talks about the thickness of the ice and these kinds of things but in terms of as a sort of quality for ice skating 
potential. So it was very much a sort of recreational opportunity, the Big Freeze, whereas if you look at 1838 in other more rural contexts, perhaps over in Lincolnshire and the east of England in a sort of agricultural context, then you hear accounts of severe hardship, of poverty, of famine and, and dearth. So you know, you get a feel for the way in which these kind of extreme events, particularly the national ones, ones that affected the entire country, played out in different ways in different parts of, of the country. But of course then you get individual events like tornadoes or particularly bad storm events that affect specific locations. Um, and that's when you get the sort of point source kind of event and the very detailed accounts that we have right the way through the database that we've produced of all these different archival responses. So you've got very specific location-specific events and then you've got these sort of nationwide events and for the latter you can explore how they affected places differently. So do the records show then how communities are affected by respond to these events. Yeah, they do. Um, and I think there's a lot from a community perspective on flooding, which is obviously has contemporary significance for us today. Um, and I think among the most interesting accounts that we have of flooding come from 1875, um, when the whole country was affected by very heavy rains over the course of a sort of June to November kind of period. It was the subject of a number of documents that were written at the time, including one by uh, George Simons, who was the head of the British Rainfall Organisation. Um, but this year it was very, very wet and um, we get lots of references in lots of different places to the flooding, the way it affected individuals, but also the way it affected communities. And what's particularly interesting is the way in which this particularly wet period, as we've seen recently really, pulled communities together um, in a kind of a, a social capital responses where people actually work collectively to respond to a crisis. Um, and I think we see those kinds of responses more with, in relation to flooding than we do in any other kind of um, extreme weather um, event and impacts associated with those events. Um, I think it's probably because you know flooding affects people, uh, you know, irrespective of class. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, the way in which they can be affected, communities that uh, you know can be completely. Um, really devastated as a result of a flood event. It's, whereas something like drought or something like a heavy frost can be sort of selective in terms of the way in which it affects people depending on the sector in which they work or their livelihoods. And so, um, so I think we see some really interesting work to do with flooding. That's just one example, but there's many different examples that we can draw on that can sort of talk about the kind of social cohesion that can result as a, as a um, following catastrophe. And so how do you hope or how do you feel that these historical narratives might be able to help prepare for future events? Okay, yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of the work we, we, we've done dates back quite a long time. And obviously, situations, context, people, everything changes, you know, but they always have done. Um, and I think what our project hopefully reveals in the long run is the fact that, you know, you can, you can explore trajectories of vulnerability over time in particular areas and you can start to identify those areas that are affected repeatedly by particular events and that renders them more vulnerable. But the other thing that we can identify is the kinds of things that people have done in the past to make themselves more resilient um, and, you know, the way in which people react to different kinds of events. So I think there's some you know, significant lessons to be learned by looking to the past for not solutions, but by indicators for the fact that people actually are quite resilient in the face of, of disaster. Sometimes there's a sort of breakdown in social cohesion during periods of drought, for example, or periods of uh, particular hardship associated with successive extreme weather events that then destroy harvests year on year. And then you get a breakdown in sort of you know, um, social cohesion and you might get 
you know, rioting, which has happened, you know, throughout throughout history. You don't see much of that anymore, thankfully. But the fact is that you know you can look to the past to see what kind of things tip people over the edge. And I think the other thing that we can do with our project is identify periods of time which have been associated with successive extremes, maybe different types of extreme events, which makes people, um, which enhances people's vulnerability at particular points in time. So I think the historical insight again offers us a sort of a long-term perspective on contemporary problems. Thank you for listening. For more information on the project, go to blogs.nottingham.ac.uk forward slash weather extremes. For access to further resources, publications and curriculum relevant material to support geographical learning and teaching, please go to www.rgs.org forward slash resources.